Hello, I'm Dr. Parni Chim. I'm a medical oncologist at the William Mosler um, Health System and I'm also medical director of the oncology program. Um, um, I'm joined here today with uh, Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, who will be summarizing a few key, interest, key um, interesting abstracts of the ASCO 2022 meeting that we both attended from June 3rd to June 7th, 2022. And these series of podcasts are going to be focusing on uh, rare subtypes of non-small cell lung cancer driver mutations. And the first um, uh, of the podcasts is we're going to be talking about NTREC fusions. So Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price is a medical oncologist at the Ottawa Hospital Cancer Centre and Associate Professor of the Department of Medicine at the University of Ottawa, and he's going to be summarizing a few key abstracts. So Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, why don't you go ahead and tell us about these two interesting abstracts? Yeah, great. Thanks very much um, for inviting me to be part of this. The uh, ASCO conference, you know, the biggest cancer conference in the world each year, and first time I've been back, of course, uh, live, which was uh, which was really nice to uh, be seeing people and doing that. So NTRK or NTRK are um, an interesting group of cancers because they're what we call tumor agnostic. So NTRK is a fusion gene which which codes for the an oncogene which drives the cancer, and we can see it across lots of different uh, different cancers by anatomy. So. Yes, we see it in lung cancer, but they're also seen in sarcomas, thyroid cancers, um, in fact, a wide range of cancers and a wide range of ages as well. So uh, pediatric, uh, adolescent and adult tumors. And in lung cancer, they're particularly rare. They're exquisitely rare, in fact. 0.2% of lung cancers, we think, uh, have these NTRK or NTRK fusions. Um, and there are a number of drugs in development, and the abstracts that were pre presented at ASCO this year was not really new information. They were updates of previously published and previously presented data. So um, with that sort of background, I'll just jump right in. The two drugs that we're going to talk about are larotrectinib, which is really the first uh, in class NTRAC uh, inhibitor, and the second one is entrectinib. Um, so larotrectinib, um, there were two posters. One was uh, an updated analysis of all the NTRAC patients who'd been in their original studies, kids, adults, across the different tumor sites, and they're up to about 250 cases now. And then the one that we're particularly interested in was a second sort of deeper dive look at just the lung cancer subgroup within the larotrectinib trial. And that comprised 26 patients with non-small cell lung cancer, double the amount that we previously knew about. Um, they're younger than average lung cancer patients. So the average age was just over 50, um, almost exclusively the adenocarcinoma subtype. There were two patients who had um, neuroendocrine cancers, uh, one, a, a relatively gentler type called atypical carcinoid, uh, but the majority, adenocarcinoma. Larotrectinib is, is a, a pill. I take it um, uh, once a day, and it's um, very well tolerated. And what we found in the updated analysis is that it just works really well. So in the overall population, 
80 patients. There was around 80% 80, 80 of patients having a significant response, and that was mirrored in the lung cancer population. The duration of response, that's the amount of the, the time that somebody is still responding, in adults was 41.7 uh, months, which is way, way longer than we see with most cancer drugs. Um, and in the lung cancer subgroup, those 26 patients, we actually don't know how long they respond for yet because they're still going. We haven't reached the median. Uh, in terms of side effects from these drugs, again, very well tolerated. Um, uh, grade one or grade two mild side effects, uh, very few uh, serious, uh, serious adverse events. Uh, what we also found was among the lung cancer patients, about half of them had brain metastases, and the, the response rates within the brain were also very high. Uh, so high response rates across the board, um, well tolerated. So did we learn anything new? Not really, um, but very reassuring to know that with longer follow-up with more patients, we're still seeing this as very effective drug. Um, is it available? Uh, so larotrectinib is currently available in Canada through a, a compassionate access program. It has been approved by Health Canada and by the um, Health Technology Assessment uh, Process, CADETH. Um, and so it's working its way through to the point where there's, where there's public reimbursement. Uh, that's the larotrectinib story, uh, Parneet. Entrectinib uh, is, the, is the other drug in this uh, setting. Um, and we didn't uh, learn at ASCO about a specific lung cancer subset, we, we, we had an update of the, um, the, the overall population. And again, because this is a tumor agnostic, you know, this is seen again in lung and thyroid, and colorectal and sarcomas in particular. And they're up to about 150 patients. Um, and again, uh, you know, very nice confirmatory results uh, that uh, overwhelmingly, patients who receive entrectinib with an entract fusion cancer are going to respond. Like the raw numbers were slightly lower, it's just over 60%. Uh, and the patient population is slightly different, so we can't make real kind of head-to-head -head comparisons between the two drugs, but high response rates, low side effect rates. Uh, the duration of response uh, that was reported was a little bit lower. It was in the 20-21 month range. Um, so the numbers, I guess, for entrectinib, not quite as strong as for larotrectinib, but I think what we have learned from, from these abstracts is that now we have two uh, entrac inhibitors that are both very effective drugs. Uh, in terms of um, the situation in Canada, entrectinib does have an approval um, for ROS1 lung cancers, so it's a slightly different subtype. Uh, and it's being submitted to the health technology assessment process now for the NTRAC indication. Thanks, that's a really good summary. I think one of the things looking at these abstracts, there was some suggestion in the entrectinib data that earlier line of therapy patients do better. So any thoughts in terms of line of therapy or, or how we're gonna potentially be able to access these therapies in Canada? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, so the indication uh, for these drugs, sort of their, their licensed indication is for uh, patients with an entract fusion cancer who don't have any other reasonable alternative therapies. So for some types of cancer, that might be, there's nothing that exists right now, so it would be a first line option. For other types of cancer, 
including lung cancer, where we do have chemotherapy and immunotherapy, it's generally being used uh, as a subsequent line of treatment at the moment. Um, in the uh, comparing the entrectinib and the larotrectinib data that we have in the entrectinib uh, study that I was just mentioning, about a third of patients had not had any treatment uh, before they got the entrectinib. In the larotrectinib studies, I can give you the exact number, but it was it was smaller. Um, it was maybe 10 to 15%. Most patients had had previous treatments. We did learn actually that the previous treatments um, in, in that lung cancer population worked okay. They certainly response rates in the 10 to 30% range from previous treatments, nothing like the 80% that we saw um, with the larotrectin itself. So, so we're going to be, I think, in the lung cancer situation, Dr. Chima, is we're going to have this a little bit of contrast that the, that the license indication might tell us that we should be giving these other treatments first. But I think you and I know that if we're facing somebody in the clinic, we're going to want to give them the targeted therapy first because it seems self-evident that it's the better treatment. And with these uh, trials enrolling for quite some time, when we say 250 patients are even getting 26 lung cancer patients, it just speaks to the volumes that these are rare patients. And to be able to find the patients, you need to test everybody with non-small cell lung cancer to be able to find the patients. I think that's what's gonna be the challenge still across Canada. There are some disparities in terms of testing and different tests may pick up different fusions to a different degrees. So yeah. I think any comments about the testing um, situation in Canada or what we would hope that we can improve over the next coming year. Yeah, exactly. So actually there are three different types of NTRAC fusion, uh, conveniently named for us NTRAC 1, 2, and 3. And lung, the, the lung cancer NTRAC uh, fusions tend to be NTRAC 1, uh, some NTRAC 3, never the NTRAC 2 subtype. Um, and the fusions are best picked up um, well, there's a couple of ways of doing it, but really going forward, it's going to be through an, an, an NGS or next generation sequencing panel that will, will test DNA and RNA. And that's the best way to detect the fusions. Um, and, you know, we, we have made, I think, a, a lot of progress, even in the last 12 months, in expanding NGS to lung cancer patients. But geographically, it does remain patchy in Canada, um, as it does as it does in other countries. Uh, and so, you know, I think as a community, uh, as to be progressive, we really need to ensure that all lung cancer patients at diagnosis have a DNA and RNA based NGS panel um, that will detect and um, track fusions if they're there, along with the other range of 10 or so driver mutations that we need to identify. That's great. A great summary of what's needed to be done in the next year as well. So I want to thank you so much for summarizing so beautifully these two abstracts. It certainly offers an option uh, for, for patients. It's standard of care now to look for NTREC fusions in our non-small cell lung cancer patients. So thank you very much.